the 14th chapter, the 31st verse. Matthew 14. We're going to be looking at Peter. Peter the leader. Here this morning. Praise God. And we still got to get used to how, you know, the, how we're situated here. But I, if I believe the dimensions in the new building that we're going to acquire are pretty very much similar to this. Pretty close. So you're able to get a good little overview of where, where we'll be able to be at. I know, again, there's a number of people missing today. But next week we'll be in full force. Everybody will be back. Uh, Wednesday as well. But uh, the dimensions are pretty close to this. And so we're going to be able to have a, it'll seat upwards to seven to 800 people. Okay, the place that we're looking to acquire. So that's a good, good uh, indication of, of where we're at just being in this place here. Do you have Matthew 14? Let me begin reading in verse uh, 25 there. During the fourth watch, or it was 3 o'clock in the morning, Christ went out to them walking on the lake or the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's the ghost, they said, and cried out in what? Fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was, what? Afraid and began to sink. Peter cried out, Jesus, get busy. Verse 31 is a key verse. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Father, I pray, knowing that your word will penetrate hearts, I pray that you would challenge us as well to be the Christians you want us to be, to reach our full potential in you. Let your word go forth as water, bringing forth fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody together said? Amen. Greet one another one more time with the love of the Lord. Shake a few hands prior to your being seated. Again, the title of my sermon is Atomic Faith. We're going to be talking and dealing with the subject of faith. And I want to be reading two more portions of scripture found in God's word. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to keep your Bibles handy uh, um, as we get into the word of the Lord. But Peter, throughout the pages of the gospels, he's often, he, he displays what you might call or term fickle faith. Remember fickle faith. Fickle means up and down, topsy-turvy. With Peter and as many of us, we don't ask him how are you today? We ask him, who are you today? Because that's fickle. Uh, are you the Peter man full of faith? Or are you the one that's sinking? Who are you today? His faith was either the greatest or it was the worst. In the case of Peter. With very little in between. There were very few gray spots in the life of Peter. If Six Flags Magic Mountain was to build a new ride. Uh, sort of similar to the Superman ride. How many have been in the Superman ride? I mean, it goes in three seconds, ah, you're way up there. But in two seconds, you're back down. They should call it the Peter Pan. Because that's the way Peter's faith was. One minute, ah, I'm walking on water, the next minute he's sinking. Up and down. Fickle faith. Here in Matthew 14, Peter, he has gone from triumph to very near tragedy, very near drowning, in nothing flat. But while doubt usually has hundreds and hundreds of vocal excuses, Peter was stone silent at the presence and at the rebuke of Jesus. And that's very out of the ordinary for Peter. Peter is not one to, to be not unvocal. 
Peter would have had a number of excuses by and large. But at the presence of Jesus, at the word of, of Christ, Peter, the leader, is sitting there in silence. See, whenever you or I, or anyone for that matter, when they stand in the, I would use the word, interrogating presence of Jesus, it's best to stand silent. Even a very verbal Peter understood that. He kept his excuses to himself. Uh, for he was finding out what the Apostle Paul would find out years later. Paul, Peter, Steve, you or I, it is hard for you to kick against the pricks. You're going to get hurt. Listen, when Jesus arrests you with his presence, when God comes and wants to admonish you, when he wants to teach you something, just be still and know that he is God. Peter had sense enough to know that. Matter of fact, a lot of the theme of my sermon here today will be the understanding mentality of Peter. I think that's what got him through. He understood. Time to take a rebuke. That was good. So he could have made it through the men's home. Hallelujah. Listen, guys, you've got to know when it's time to take a rebuke. If you have a number of excuses, hey, doubt is full of excuses. Ah, I didn't want to be here. My wife sent me here. Ay, ay, ay. Now, Peter the leader had started good. No, as a matter of fact, he started great. See, most of you have been saved, that have been saved a while, uh, and once you study here, the, the story surrounding Peter's walking on water, you, you, you have a, a bit of better understanding as to what, what happened there. See, the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee, and, and they were going nowhere, the Bible says, and going nowhere fast. Then at 3 o'clock in the morning when I read there, in the middle of a heavy storm comes the real El Nino. Jesus shows up. Ah. He shows up walking on the raging sea. But when the disciples, they first recognize that it's him, they're not immediately overjoyed. They're not all, oh, how good Jesus is here. No, as a matter of fact, the Bible says the first thing that grips them is not faith, but it's fear. Ah! I mean, here they want Jesus to show up. He comes, and they get all afraid. Ah. See, we really never know when or, or where Christ may show up in our lives. He might come through, you know, disguised disappointments. Could that be you, God? Yes, it could. Some of you could be here full of disappointment, but Jesus can show up. He can show up as a trumpeteer to the high calling found in Christ Jesus. Let's go take the world. That's a high calling. God will show up in a United We Can service. But, as the disciples did, many of us will react not in faith, but in fear. Uh, see, in any and most cases, we respond first, first out of fear. I remember when I went into the home, the best thing that ever happened in my whole life. Best thing. It was. But boy, was I afraid. Man, big Steve Pineda. You laugh, Mario. I knew you were going to laugh. Because he grew up with me. A little bit, you know, and I knew, man, but man, I was so, you know, the Holy Ghost. Ooh, who's afraid of the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost. I was. Big bad me. Uh, I mean, and I walked in my I walked around with the with the toughest dudes. Not saying I was tough, but I knew how to hang with tough guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, but man, here I was in the home and I was scared. You know, reading all these things on the walls and you know the praise the Lord and Hallelujah. Ooh, those things used to scare me. When somebody said hallelujah, I thought they were cussing. Oh my God, scary, eerie feeling. Like Erie, Pennsylvania, hallelujah. 
Ah, it was an eerie feeling. That's the way the disciples reacted here. Uh, they didn't react with an abundance of faith, but a lot of fear. Ah, now where were they afraid? See, not at times when Jesus shows up, we're afraid he's going to ask something of us that we're not ready to pay the price for. Ah, I mean, you know, let's go take the world. <laughs> a lot of us know what it's going to cost. And so we react, not in faith. Some of you don't want to reach the world because you don't want to reach in your pocket. You can't reach the world without reaching in your pocket. So you get scared. God's going to want my money. See, we react in fear. We're afraid. See, but Jesus, the Bible says he was well aware of their fear. So what's the first thing he tells them? Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Don't be afraid of me. Don't be afraid of God. Uh, he wants the best for you. And we need to understand that. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing what? The word of God. And that's exactly what happened here with Peter. Peter heard God's word. And somehow, when Jesus tells him, be of good cheer, in his eye, don't be afraid, it sunk into Peter so that Peter wouldn't sink. And he locks into the word of God. And faith begins to rise in his heart. So as the storms begin to rise, so does Peter's faith. Many times that happens. As storms rise, leaders rise. I've said it before, leaders are like bridges. You don't notice them until you need them. When you, know, you don't need them to go to the Golden Gate, San Mateo. Ah, drive it every day. But when the storms start to start coming, and you need help, and you make, and you're, you're driving over that bridge, and you look at the rivers and the water raging, and you know you thank God for that bridge. That's the way it is with leaders. You don't notice us. You don't notice leaders until you really need them. Until tragedy, disappointment strikes in your life. Pastor Steve, Brother Zosa, the ministers. Ah. When the storms comes in our lives, your faith should rise as well. You ever have people like that? The kind of people that, you know, when the, you know, the tough times come, the tough get going? That kind of people? Personally, things like that wake me up. Uh, this interim period that we're having right now, I call it interim period, uh, between the Eden Church and St. Vincent de Paul. This is an interim period, but these things get me going. What do you need between those two points? You need bridges. Uh, and we need, we need a point of, uh, we need some bridges here right now. But those things wake me up. See, these, these things uh, can also serve as a catalyst to get our faith level up, to get faith level people to rise up to the occasion. That's what happens here. As a storm rises, so will your faith. And we need to understand that. With Peter, Christ's words at once begin to inspire his faith. They inspire his faith. Christ's words, Christ's presence, Jesus' actions always serve to inspire faith. Ah, in Luke 11, 1, the disciples heard and saw Jesus pray. And they, they've been with Jesus already three years. They, they were being, you know, learning how to pray, but then they see the way prayer really is. And the Bible says that in Luke 11, 1, they come up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. We've just been patty caking. These last three years. We want to really learn how to pray. Why? Because in the presence and in the words and in the actions of Jesus, it helps to inspire faith in somebody. Jesus is here today. Some of you, and I, I know what's happening here. I ain't stupid. Some of you are being lulled by the enemy. This service. Oh, I can tell. Potline, devil. I'm here to knock the dude out. My God. Oh, my goodness. You used to get like this at the 1 o'clock service. Now it's 11 something. Come on. You gotta have time for the word of God. My goodness. 
The word of God will change your life. Jesus is here to inspire faith in your life. Hallelujah. Want to knock the devil out? Yeah. That's what happens with Christ. And they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Because they knew the presence of God was there. Now, the Bible says faith without works is what? Dead. Or faith without action is dead. Uh, see, it's really not faith at all. Just a lot of hot air if all you're doing is talking. But with Peter, Jesus' words and his presence encouraged action on his part. See, anyone who is full of faith or being prompted by faith will always display action. If you've got faith, you've got to show me your works. Not just a bunch of talk, it's a hot air. Faith has feet. Faith has hands. Faith has a tongue. It's got a body. People with faith are continually about their father's business. Pastor Sonny, he's always hither and thither because he's a man full of faith. I mean, I've had to do a number of things because I believe faith moves me. It's faith that keeps people going. That's the reason why James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. Matter of fact, look at James chapter 2. James chapter 2. We need to read this. Beginning in verse 14. Let's make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Remember that? What is a joyful noise? Oh, that guy's God's adrenaline going. Do you have it? James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but has no deeds or works? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If any one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it's dead. But someone who will say, you have faith, then I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Doer of the word. You believe that there is a God? Good. But devils believe it as well, and shudder. You foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac at the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Being a doer, that's, that's, that's real faith. You know, 95% of Americans believe in God. They did a survey. 95% of Americans believe that there's a God. But really, what is their faith doing for them? Really, what is their faith doing for them? Are they living victorious, overcoming Christian lives? I think not. No. Do they show and display, you know, power over their finances? I think not. Over their lust, over their flesh? I think not. See, church, a sermon like this is very, very vital and important. Because we really, you know, we really believe, what we believe molds us into our character and to our conduct. What you believe will shape your conduct and it will shape your character. What you believe. In 1480, there was this guy. They considered him a nut. One of my heroes. He was a nut. Because he said the world's not flat. It's round. And he kept, he kept at it persistent. I have been to Barcelona, Spain. And some of you have been to my office. And you've seen the, the picture that I have there. Because I'm taken by the statue of Cristibol Colón. That's his real name. Okay, in Barcelona, Spain. And it's a huge statue there in Barcelona at the water's edge. And he's pointing westward. 
Go west, man, go west. And there's 14 pictures carved in bronze all the way around his statue. And there, the first picture is when he's in Italy. He's Italian. And everybody's very skeptical. Nobody wants to listen to what he's saying. But he's saying, the world's not flat, it's round. Give me a chance, give me a break, give me an opportunity. Uh, then he finally shows him sailing into uh, uh, Spain and Queen Isabella. Finally convinces King Ferdinand, give the dude a break. Uh, I got a hunch, the guy's not out to lunch. Uh, faith, faith, hallelujah. Finally, they give him a break. Uh, the last picture, ooh, I dig the last picture. It's Cristobal Colon. He's walking. Behind an Indian for the new world, got a loincloth. And in front of the Indian is his son. And his son is carrying a little flask. And the little flask makes all the difference in the world. Because it's a flask full of cornmeal. And the Europeans had never tasted corn. This was proof that he had been a flat the world, no, around. The world. We say around the world today because one man had a vision. One man had faith. One man said, let's go do it. Matter of fact, he was a missionary. Can you read his journal? The guy wanted to reach the world. Uh, my friend, that gets me going. He believed. He really believed. Uh, he trusted that the world was not flat. And in 1492, the dude got the opportunity to sail the ocean blue. He got his opportunity. Columbus could not rest until he put his faith, my friend, he put feet to his faith. Not until he put action to what he believed in. I, I, guys like that get me going. Uh, Nino Aquino from the Philippines. Man, I saw that minute, they had an up to the minute uh, until he died. They wouldn't, let, they, didn't, they wouldn't let them film him. But on the plane, there's a, a, a t- television commentator announcer in L.A. who's related to him. And I saw the, the, the newsreel. It's an hour-long special on him when they're interviewing him. And then when it shows when he lands at now called Nino Aquino uh, uh, Airport, but it wasn't then. And it shows the, the Filipinos coming, the military coming to get him. And he says, turn that off, turn that off. They had to turn off the, the video. They get him. And he, they told him, why do you want to go? He says, yeah, I got to go. I've been a political prisoner. Now. He says, only three things can happen to me. Either I'm going to become president uh, either I'm going to die uh, and I forgot the third one but he's only three things that can happen to me he died but that started the revolution um, but this guy did what he believed in I mean I guys like that get me going Pastor Sonny whoo, uh, to see his faith in action action gets me going Nicky Cruz to see him in action gets me going uh, that gets my adrenaline pumping Get your motor run and faith. I like Martin Luther, the original cholo. Yeah, he's the original lowrider. He's the original cholo. Say, come on. You know, you know one of the, the, the cholo sayings? The neighborhood? What is it? Akipara, right? Right, Akipara. When you're going to choose somebody off. Well, Martin Luther did that in a loving way to the Pope. <laughs> uh, and the Pope tells him, listen, Marty, anyone on a first name basis, because it took a lot of, you know, he had a lot of time, 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 doing time, time. Finally, he had, you know, he had his day in court. He, he nailed the 98 theses 
on the door of, of, the, of the temple of worms. And finally he comes at the court of Nisi court, I think they call it, something like that. And the Pope showed up for him. And he tells him, listen, just denounce, deny those 98 theses and you'll be okay. And the original Cholo says, uh-uh, Charlie. He says, here I stand, I can do no more. Aquí para Martin Luther. Aquí estamos y no nos vamos y rifamos. I'm just kidding, hallelujah. Uh, that's the original shotgun play. <laughs> hey, look at it as you may. Think of it as you want. Laugh about it. But that's really what he's saying. He's saying, read my lips. Look into my eyes. I believe in those 98 theses. I've studied the word of God. The man was an attorney. He had a great mind. He knew what he was talking about. Uh, faith and what you believe in. Uh, that's real faith. Coupled and displayed by action. See, how can 95% of America say they believe God when they can't even get up and come to church on Sunday morning? And those that do, the 20% that do, 80% of them don't do nothing. But that's church science. I'm not going to tell you about that. You've got to take my word for that. 20% don't do, I do all the work. 80% don't do nothing. They just come to church. Uh, that's the reason why I said it. If you're not obeying the Bible by praying, by giving, by tithing, uh, by witnessing, then you're not a believer. You're a wannabe believer. Uh, you're a wannabe. Wannabe believer. I mean, when I was growing up in the neighborhood, the worst term that you could be called is a wannabe. You know those guys that dress the part? The minute you look at them funny, <gasps> ah, they're wannabes. That happens in Christianity. They're wannabe believers. Uh, why do believers? They look real good. They were to come in, you know. But the minute things get hot, whoo, they're gone. Uh, they don't believe nothing. You don't be, I mean, if you're not a giver, you don't be, you're not a believer. You don't believe God's word. Believers are not wannabes. They're, they're the real thing. In Victor Outreach Hayward, things are going to get a little hot in the interim, period. Uh, and if you're just a wannabe, then you'll start running. Uh, th- that'll happen. The wannabes are going to drift away. But the people with real faith will stay. It's your time to either be, and I've said this before, a watermelon seed Christian or a thumbtack Christian. What happens with a a watermelon seed when you put pressure on it? They don't have a building on their own right now. The sermons are real hard. But a thumbtack, when you put pressure on him, what does he do? He sticks stronger and stronger and stronger. So it's up to you. We have that opportunity right now with Peter. Once he was in the presence of God, once he understood the word of God, it inspired faith in his life and in his soul. He did something about it. He didn't just sit there and sulk. He did something. Lord, if it's you, uh, bid me then to come unto you, to walk on water. Does Jesus rebuke him as a foolish, fanatical individual? No way. God's not going to do that to faith. Jesus loves the adventurous type of people. He loves adventurous faith in people's lives. Just as we've already seen that Jesus inspires faith, he also encourages it. What an opportunity you're going to have to, my friend, distribute and, dis- and, and display your faith at a time like this. Uh, I'm working on another sermon called Being There, Done That. 
We've been here before. 15 months we didn't have a church. But we have people. Uh, we had to go hither and thither. Remember that? One week we met in six different places in seven days. Being there, done that. Wait, this is nothing new for us. Uh, but God knows what He's doing. Uh, see, Christ will encourage your faith. Bible shows us that nothing, my friend, you know, in regards to God, He loves the adventurous people. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Uh, remember the lady in Luke 18, 1? Matter of fact, look at Matthew 15. Matthew 15. I want to show you something here. This Canaanite woman who was a Gentile. She was not, she was not even a Jew. Matthew 15. I'm getting close to closing here. Beginning in verse 21. Matthew 15. Beginning in verse 21. Are you making that joyful noise? Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. Can you imagine being shined down by God himself? Coming up to talking to God and Jesus just didn't even, didn't even pay no attention to him. Wow. Most of us would just get up and say, oh my God, Jesus doesn't love me. Jesus doesn't hate me. Oh my God. Faith don't do that. Look what faith does. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the sheep of Israel. That's another rebuke. In other words, I'm for the Jews. I'm not for her. But did she go away? No. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. That's strike three. First of all, he doesn't even respond to her. Then he says, listen, I didn't come for the other people. I came for the Jews. Then she comes and talks to them, and he says, listen, it's not right for me to take the food away from the table of the Jews and give it to dogs. Strike three, you're out, right? No, strike three, you win. Strike three, you win. You can't lose as a Christian. I don't care if you strike out. The catcher dropped the ball. Run to first. Let's go. Hallelujah. Verse 27. The devil has a terrible catcher. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, hee-ho, you got great faith, lady. Your request is granted. Hallelujah. Huh? And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This gets my motor right there. Most of us would have been gone at strike one. <laughs> Pastor didn't shake my hand. <laughs> Faith gets Jesus' fancy. Did you hear that? Ah, it gets his motor running. Victory Outreach Hayward. We, my friend, have a great opportunity to please God. Yes, we do. While some people might, you know, look at our situation as obstacles, we got to look at them by faith as opportunities. They're not obstacles, they're opportunities. What did David do when the Philistines couldn't down Goliath? He looked at that as an obstacle, he looked at it as an opportunity. Well, the, Philist, well, the Jews looked at the Philistine giant as too big 
to doubt. David looked at the Philistine as a big old forehead, too big to miss. Just to be little, the big old guy. Even more. Wham! What an opportunity we have. So when Peter seeks, my friend, to do the impossible, Jesus encourages him. Christ is not going to leave us comfortless. He's going to look, oh, look at Victor H. Hayward. They don't stop for nothing. Lord, get us a building. We ain't going away. We ain't going away. Devil did too much for me. Against me. Now I'm coming in the power of the mind of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What does Jesus do? Come on, Peter. Come on, Victory Outreach Hayward. Leave the confines of Eden. Come on out. Uh, leave your boat. Uh, leave your four walls. Trust me. Victory Outreach Hayward, come on out and walk on water. That's what we're doing right now. We're walking on water. We don't know where we're going, but we're going. We're going. And he will not leave us comfortless. Peter, Peter understood that. Peter knew that. He knew that God's word was solid. Something that he could, he could bank on. Something that he could walk on. He wasn't walking on water. He was walking on the word. That's what he was doing. God's word is more solid than even the molecules of H2O. Yeah, it is. Peter knew that. That which Jesus says he will do, he will. Peter knew that Jesus is not out to mock us and, and to mess with us, not at all. And to make us look bad. He doesn't want to make us look bad, not at all, Victory Outreach. We need to understand that. Jesus will never dangle a carrot out in front of us and mock us. A carrot that we cannot reach. A carrot that we cannot touch and eat. No way. Remember what I said before? I want us to eat carrots and the devil to eat crow. Strawberry feels forever. We're going to make the devil eat crow. Ah, he don't think we can do it. Eat crow, devil. Yeah, we will. Watch. Ah, see, Victor Rich Hayward, the man or the woman who walks with Christ will always reach his destination, even if you've got to walk on water. I have that. Somebody gave me that. In my desk, I have that. I have a pen, and it says, the man that walks with God will always reach his destination. And I want to put on there a magic marker. Even if it means walking on water. <laughs> but we're going to get there. We have a destiny. Uh, we have a destiny. But then of course, we find here that Peter, he began to sink. Doesn't the Bible say that? He began to sink. Simon Peter's faith began to give way to his fear. And we read that there in the Bible. He begins to doubt. To doubt is to sink. And you need to understand that. That's the reason why faith is so important. Faith is really, my friend, what has built the greatest works all over this planet. It's faith. And I've traveled parts of this planet. And I see great works of God. But it's all faith that helps build those things. That's what's going to happen here in Hayward. It's going to happen. We're getting known throughout the world. But my friend, we have to have a good headquarters here. We have to have people that are going to, that their heart is going to rise. As the storms rise, so is their faith going to rise. We're going to need for you to understand, hey, man, we're going to put our amens together. We're going to put our finances together. And we're going to build a great church here that we'll be able to go all over the world and say, they're from Hayward. Yes, Victor Outreach Hayward. Bible says, herein is our victory, even our faith. We need to understand that. That's the reason why Jesus says that even faith as the size of a mustard seed can produce power as strong as the atomic bomb. That's where I get my title, Atomic Faith. Matter of fact, 
What is an atomic bomb? But a small atom. Smaller than a mustard seed that's being split in half. Uh, I mean, I saw the power of God this past week in Indonesia. Man. I remember I talked to the pastor. I said, listen, I, I, I couldn't explain to my people what happened. I need the video. You guys need to see this. I mean, there's Pentecost happening over there. And you know the reason why they pray? And they believe God. They open to God. Young people. These are, I'm dealing with kids. 13 to 18 to 19. And they, they, they worship God. Wow. They believe God. They trust God. Again, they wouldn't even break for lunch. They wouldn't break for dinner. If, if God was moving, they say, let go, 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 go. Let God have his way. And you're going to see it on video. Uh, now with Peter, he was doing quite well. He was doing great actually. Until he takes his eyes off of Christ. And he puts them on the circumstance. Peter took his sight off Christ and he put them on the wind and the waves. Here's the key, people. Here's the key to my sermon. Peter's faith shifted. He still had faith, but he put that faith on the power of the storm. He put the faith on the power of the raging sea. Ah. Peter allowed the situation and the circumstances to look more powerful than God himself. That's why Jesus rebukes him and tells him, Oh, ye of little faith, why do you doubt? Suddenly the power and the force of the storm was more powerful than Jesus. Some of you were called to walk on water. Some of you may not be here next week or the following week. And the church is going to grow again, I'm going to tell you that. But some of you, because you're going to put your faith on the circumstances. You still have faith because you've been taught to have faith. But you're going to put your faith on the storm. It's going to look more powerful than Jesus. It's going to look more, the situation, the circumstances are going to, Oh, no, 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 I don't think we can do it, I don't think we can make it. You're going to put your faith in the wrong thing. Peter now saw Jesus through his difficulties rather than looking at his difficulties through Jesus. That's what a lot of us can happen. We start looking at our Jesus through our difficulties rather than looking through our difficulties through Jesus. That's the way it's got to be. But praise God, the Bible says Peter recovered. He recovered. Uh, he knew that he was doubting. He knew that he was sinking. He then cries out to God in faith. And what does he say? Uh, he once again, he takes his eyes off the storm. Uh, we don't have a building. When are we going to get one? Maybe we'll sink. Maybe I should move to another boat. Titanic. Uh, but Peter recovered and he put his eyes back on Jesus. Uh, and he prayed that, you know, masterful prayer. Jesus, get busy. Lord, help me. Uh, Lord, save me. Help thou my unbelief. Here today, some of you are going to need that. Jesus, I need you. That's all you got to say. You don't got to be a far father, which other and hither and thither. No, 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 no. Just come from here. God, I need your help. And he'll show up. I want every head bowed and every eye closed, please. With every head is bowed and every eye closed. Spirit of God, moving in ministry. Atomic faith. Next week, don't miss next week. I'm going to be speaking, in a sense, the sequel to the sermon. We're going to be dealing with worry. Worry can kill people. We're going to be dealing with it. Combating it through God's word and faith. But here today, some of you might be doubting. When you doubt, you begin to sink. Don't do that. What a great opportunity you have. As the storms rise, soak in your faith. Always keep your faith level above your fear level. To fear and to doubt is human. 
John the Baptist, the greatest born of woman, the Bible says, ever on this planet, he doubted. So when you doubt, you're in good company, but keep your faith level above your fear level and you'll be all right. Peter recovered. He, he, he snapped. He was letting fear get bigger than his faith. And he began to look at Jesus through his circumstances rather than looking at his circumstances through Jesus. As every head is bowed, every eye closed, Spirit of God moving in ministry. They're playing something lightly there on the piano. I want to pray for those of you that God has challenged your life. And you say, Brother Steve, I need for you to pray for me. Be real. Because we're talking about real faith here. We're not talking about anything conjured up, anything of the imagination. The Word of God is real. Real people go through real situations. We need to be real.